0: Welcome to the weekly Unpacking It Facebook Live podcast,
1: where we unpack the very latest in sports, faith, and life. Now, from Charlotte, North Carolina, from his mouth to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson.
0: Welcome to the Unpacking It Live podcast. I'm Bryce Johnson. With Luke Heaton and Henry bien So glad to have those guys with us. So glad to have you with us. It's May. I just got back from the beach. Had a nice little weekend away. Fired up to talk some NBA playoffs. The NFL schedule was released. The NBA Hall of Fame added some more studs into their Hall of Fame. And then announced the next group of guys going in and and ladies as well. And so we will discuss uh, all of that today on the show. Also today for unpack this, we're going to talk about the easy life versus the hard life and what it looks like to have the easiest schedule in the NFL. And how about those NBA teams strategizing to figure out what the easiest path is to get to the NBA championship? Were they really doing that? Were they resting players or not? Uh, But we'll get to all that. Thanks for being with us. We're here for the next hour as we unpack sports, faith, and life. You can check out our website, unpackingit.com. Be sure to subscribe to our weekday email devotional that we call Unpack This. Uh, Today's email will go out later today. We send it out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then also, you'll see that I am, if you're watching this today, that I am wearing my Man Up Charlotte shirt. That's right. Coming up on June 19th, we are putting on an unbelievable concert here, a concert, a conference uh, here in Charlotte. And for those of you that listen around the country, uh, you can also watch it virtually. It is going to be just an incredible morning, some incredible speakers, very encouraging and equipping. And and so we're going to have some fun. So I hope that you will be a part of that. On June 19th, go to manupcharlotte.org. All right, let's say good morning to Luke. Luke,
2: how are you? How was the weekend? Weekend was great. Got to play glow-in-the-dark golf. No, I've never done that. Oh, it, it was remarkable. So Wow, that's cool. Yeah, so my uh, uh, pastor friend of mine, he his son, they were, their uh, high school football team was doing a fundraiser. And the fundraiser was uh, a scramble. So he was like, hey, got an extra spot in the team. You want to come play? I'm like, absolutely. Ask the wife. We're good to go. So first nine holes were in daylight. Then we the intermission was they fed us tacos. Nice. Did, nice. A, raffle, did a raffle live auction. Um, and then the second nine holes, we teed off at like 9.30 p.m. and finished at 12.30 in the morning. But it was Whoa. incredible. Besides the largest mosquitoes that have ever existed attacking us oh no it was because you go out you can't see a thing we're driving around holding flashlights with golf carts with our golf carts and you the ball is if it hits a hard surface it lights up so you're you hit your ball and you just see it and you follow it and then you p- see people on other holes and you see just these glow it's like shooting stars all across the sky oh, that flying. is so sweet. Is so fun so Thankfully, the people I played with, they knew the course, and they're like, all right, there's no trouble on this hole. Just hit it straight because you can't see a thing. So I'm just hitting it, and you just see your ball land, which is so refreshing because broad daylight. It's impossible to find your golf ball, but it was very Josh, fun. Very glad I, I got to do that.
0: Normally, I, I lose probably a dozen balls on the golf course, so I can't imagine in the dark. That sounds uh, like that would be – You can't
2: be, lose them. You can't lose them unless you hit them into the water because you see it. You, it's pitch black and then you just find where it's glowing you watch it land and everything okay all
0: right yeah but gosh but then you can't really see where it's i mean i how do you even know what the green looks like or, or where the green the is pin, or where the fairway is or anything
2: the, the pin was marked with a gl- uh, like glow sticks and then the 150 yards oh, okay. stick in the fairway was marked and then out of bounds had red things um so it was possible to navigate but it w- it was challenging but fun
0: Oh, I love it. Well, that, that's that's awesome. And, and I had a, a great weekend as well. I was at the beach and this was little Maddie's first time. So she's under two years old. Mm. And let me say she loved the water. Oh, she was yeah. all in. Now it's May. And so the, the, the beach is still a little bit cold. It was in it in the 70s. So you can imagine how cold the water was. Maddie, give me more. Give me more. She, <laughs> she couldn't get enough. We were out there riding waves now, but she was she was uh, she handled the, the waves. <laughs> she, did. she did. You go it, out she was, the boogie board? The, no, I, I go. I'm a a body surfer myself, uh. but the, the waves weren't big enough for that. Uh But we did. We we put her in with with the waves, and she was she was handling it and and loving it. So it, it turned out really well, and uh it was it was nice to get away. I ate mahi mahi, yeah. crab cakes, and smoked salmon. So that's the mm. trifecta. Those and shrimp. So those are my four favorite seafood items and uh, I got a little bit of it all. So that was uh that was awesome.
2: That's so when when Madeline and I were there were there we had or she's not a huge seafood fan, but I love it. So I had she crab soup and Ooh. I had bowl after bowl after bowl after bowl. And then we Drink tried here. to re, we, we tried to remake it here and it was basically poison. Our our <laughs> our attempt to remake the she crab soup and Hilton Head was atrocious, so we need to go back to the drawing board there. But Hilton That's Head's awesome. Hilton, Hilton Head's so so fun.
0: It's a it's a great spot and and very uh, very relaxing, yet also a lot of activity. So a lot of people are still there. So there's a yeah. buzz going on. Uh, but we we were able to find tables. We we eat early because of Maddie. So uh, I've never eaten dinner so early in my life. But but it <laughs> uh, but it worked out. So we beat the, beat the rush a lot of times. So uh, so glad to be back. We we've got a lot to get to today. Uh, with the NBA playoffs, I'm a huge NBA fan, so excited about what, what's to come. Uh, so let's let's start with I'm convinced. Uh, but before we do that, let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options, healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. All right, so here's what I'm convinced of. First, I'm excited. I'm convinced that I am excited for the play-in game and the fact that the Charlotte Hornets technically made the playoffs, even though they finished with the tenth seed. And and I I am I am thrilled with the play-in game scenario. I'm also a Lakers fan. So I'm a Lakers Hornets fan. Both teams are, are in the mix for this playoff play-in game. And I'm also a Steph Curry fan. So I get to see all these guys in these, you know, elimination type games. It's very wild. But but to me, if you're the seventh or eighth seed, I'm okay that you have to play in this play-in game. Because if you think about over the years, it's so rare that a seven or eight actually wins that first round of the the playoffs anyway. So this adds a little more intrigue for those teams. And and now, you know, you think about the Grizzlies and the Spurs and the Pacers and the Hornets, they've got new life. They've got a chance. They could sneak in and make it interesting. And and it excites their fan base. And and I think for teams, especially like the Grizzlies and the Hornets that are – Young, growing, developing. This gives them some great experience. And then a team like the Warriors, they're, they're kind of playing with house money this year because uh, Clay Thompson was out all year. But, but now you know, Steph gets to have a chance to go up against LeBron in a one-game yeah, situation. So cool. I, I love it. So, so I'm, I'm convinced that, that I am looking forward to this week and, and getting to watch those games. I am also convinced when the schedules came out in the NFL, I did a quick run-through. How many games will the Panthers win? I'm convinced the Panthers can win nine or ten games, and it'll the the tenth game will be if the if the Panthers can beat the Falcons twice. So that'll be the that's the very the question doable, mark, very doable. Which, which we just don't know what Atlanta is going to be this year. So I, I, I they're hard to, to if, are they going to trade Julio Jones? Which it seems like they will. Uh, so that's that's where I come in on that. And let's see one more thing. Um, oh, well, we may talk about this a little bit more, but but I'm convinced. That people should be rooting for Tim Tebow in Jacksonville, root for a former quarterback, former baseball player to make the switch to tight end and bring back some of Tebow mania. The idea that you would root against that, to me, you're a, you're a fun sucker. That, that that that's that's all that is because to <laughs> me it's fun. Like that that is a fun situation. I'm all in, and uh, we we can get into it a little bit more. But that's what I'm convinced of, Luke. What about you?
2: I'm going to begin with doubling down on your Tebow take. I am 100% convinced Tebow is great for football. He is the epitome of a football player. He's a bruiser. Watch his tape. He is the epitome of just a hard-nosed, tough football player. And how exciting is it to see he's going to play a new position? He's, after years of people saying he should play tight end, now he's playing tight end. And then you're we're seeing we're reading about reactions saying that the coaches are incredibly impressed with his ball skills. He looks, people saying he looks like he's 18. I'm very excited. Plus, he's in Jacksonville. He's a hero in Florida. It, it's just going to be awesome. It, there's so many different cool storylines. Tebow with Urban Meyer. Tebow playing football again. Tebow in Florida. Oh, it's it's awesome.
0: Listen, I'm all for storylines, intrigue, drama. I, I, I want all of it. So if there is a player that encompasses that, then I want him in the league, yeah. whatever sport it is. Give me somebody that can be polarizing and interesting. And, and you, you tune in to see what's going on. The idea of some of the, you know, there are only probably 10 legitimate tight ends in, in today's NFL. Now those tight ends make a huge difference. George Kittle, Travis yeah. Kelsey. These guys are unbelievable guys at Rob Gronkowski. So I, I love the tight end position, and 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 I think it's hard to to be a a, a great blocker as well as a, a threat as a receiver. And and I don't believe that Tebow will be blocking. I think his best chance is as a receiver and and kind of moving around in different positions. Even even going into the backfield a little bit, coming coming out of the backfield to catch some passes as well. And then in the goal line, yeah, you can line him up at quarterback, uh, no question. And then move them yeah. out the tight end. Think about all the fun and, and creativity that you can have. So, oh, yeah. so I'm convinced that that I'm that that I'm rooting for it, and I'm also convinced that he can be productive in the in the NFL even at this age. Will he be a, a pro bowler? No, I don't think I don't think he'll be that good. Not not at this stage of his career or, or his life, for that matter. For the fact that he's been playing baseball for the last six years, but the story draws me in, and and so and I like Tebow. So the whole, I'm, I'm whole for the
2: whole Urban Meyer thing. It's it's exciting to see. How much college Urban Meyer brings the NFL? Like when you're talking about Travis Etienne, like are like, yeah, he's not going to just play running back. Like there's a lot yeah. of a lot of creativity going with Urban Meyer. Tim Tebow, he can line up in wildcat. A lot of exciting stuff. So I agree with you there. My, I'm convinced. I am. I'm still developing my opinion on this, but after the NBA, the the basketball Hall of Fame class was announced this past weekend. I saw an article saying the NBA needs its own Hall of Fame. Mm. And I, I'm convinced that I disagree with that. I'm, I'm 75% convinced. Now, I know it's probably unique. I don't know all of the ins and outs of all the other Hall of Fames. But it feels like Basketball Hall of Fame is more inclusive in regards to it's not just the professional league. It's all over basketball. Because Jay yeah, Wright Jay Wright was just inducted, WNBA coaches, players, um, but I love it. Now, I especially love it because when I was able to go to the Basketball Hall of Fame last year. Oh, you've been. Actually, the, never day, been. the day after I proposed, Madeline surprised me and was like, and took me to the Hall of Fame. It was awesome. That's great. So, That's very cool. But you go there, and you get to see college history. You get to see NBA history. You get to see histories from all over the the life of basketball different levels, and there's legends at all these different levels. And it's really awesome. So I'm convinced the Basketball Hall of Fame is great how it is because it's awesome that the greats of college, coaches and players, can be honored as well as NBA greats. I will sympathize with if NBA players are routinely getting slighted because college coaches are getting in, for example, there could be changes made, but I love the way the Basketball Hall of Fame is set up because it allows for the rightful legends to be honored. So I think it's awesome.
0: How do you feel about guys getting into the Hall of Fame while they're still coaching or like broadcasters are still broadcasting? That, so Mike Green, is- Mike yeah, you know, we're still listening and watching those guys, yet now they're in the Hall of Fame.
2: That's always made me interesting. So when Jerry Jones was inducted to it's the made NFL you interesting? Hall of Fame, it's it's made me interesting. Yes, made you certainly. interesting.
0: It's really made you interesting.
2: Oh man, that that was a verbal typo right there. Nice, um, nice. So when Jerry Jones was inducted to the NFL Hall of Fame, it was interesting because I'm like, well, he still has plenty of career left, uh, but well, certainly his never going to end. Eh, well, yeah, yeah. yeah until his will never end. Yeah, yeah, so, until, yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's over. But it's, I guess, if you're, if you can only have the post career Hall of Fame induction as a player. So I'm getting used to the coaching thing. But like Jay Wright, inducted to the Hall of Fame, Very, he's young. He's got so he's much not coaching
0: he He's not yeah. as young as he looks, though.
2: Fair, fair. He looks incredible. But he is nowhere near done coaching. So it's interesting. But I don't think there's any way to solve that. But hey, if they've had a Hall of Fame worthy, Career up to this point, hey, throw him in there. Bill Self's in there, my boy, Bill Self. So
0: <laughs> he's all a Hall of Famer. Nice, they got they got to take a look at that. <laughs> they need to take a look at that. Uh, we'll we'll get into some of the guys that got in, and, and especially with Tim Duncan just going in uh, over the weekend. This idea of him being one of the most unique, slash boring, slash peculiar unique, just just this, I don't even know the, the word to use, but Tim Duncan is one of a kind superstar, is a one of a kind superstar. And and who else comes close? So that's my question for the audience today. Who who else come who else would you put in that category across all of sports that you just you wonder about them? You go, man, they, they were so successful, yet we never could fully figure out their personality. Maybe they were a little bit more quiet than than we're used to so so who falls into that uh for you and and we'll, we'll try to circle back on that uh in a little bit but but I want to make sure we get to the the unpack this topic for today and 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 two things led me to to think about this well ultimately the Holy Spirit leads me but two things popped in my head uh to 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 have this conversation one the NFL schedule was released last week and and so we'll unpack that as well but what happens is the, the initial revealing of that, you start wondering, okay, who has the easiest schedule heading into the year? Okay. Who, who, who gets the matchups, who gets to play the lions multiple times, right? <laughs> who gets to, who gets to play the Jags and you know, who, who are the, who are going to be the worst teams this year? And, 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 and who has the easiest schedule when it comes to road games versus home games. So we, we factor all of that in. Then. Yesterday with the final day in the NBA season, there were questions about okay, does this team really want to be the sixth seed or the eighth seed or the third seed or you know who who wants to be matched up uh, with, with who in the first round and then who would have the easiest path to the next round and ultimately to the championship? And so there, there were just these discussions on you know okay do you play your players do you try to all right we'll just lose this game so we can drop so that we get a better matchup. And, and so it's this idea that in sports, you want the easiest path. At least you think you do. You, you want to play the easier opponents. You want the, the, the easy schedule when it comes to home games and when you get your bye week and, and all that sort of thing. And, and here's the reality. In life, our default and, and, and kind of you know, where we go in our mind is give me the easy path. What's easy? I want what's easy. I, I want, I want easy Mac. I want, I want the easy life. I, I don't want to have to deal with too many difficult situations. I don't want to have to to go through hard seasons in life. And what do we do? We try to avoid anything that that challenges us. Oftentimes, oftentimes we'll, we'll do whatever we can to avoid taking the step of faith that that, that may lead us down a a hard path and that may be a challenging. Uh, experience and and so we want the easy path to a championship we want the easy life and and the reality is though when you think back to a lot of championship teams when you think back to the the ones that that overcame and they they actually dealt with a challenging road to the finals, they were set up to win and, and so often we'll we'll think that oh this team they just have an easy road this always happens in the NCAA tournament. Oh, the easy road to the, the championship and they'll lose in the second round or, they'll, lose, or, or they'll, they'll play all these easy games. And then when it actually comes to a tough matchup, they aren't prepared. They aren't equipped to handle it. And, and so here's my, my encouragement to us today. And I, I talked about this a few weeks ago, that life with Jesus, when, when, when he's carrying our burdens and, and as he says that, that for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So to a certain extent, when we walk with Jesus, life is easier in the sense that he's carrying our load and we are linked with him. We are, we are relying on his strength and power. But that does not mean that we are going on the easy path of life. Because when we follow Jesus, we're gonna step out of the boat, we're gonna deal with challenges, we're going to, to go through trials trials, and, and, and things that make our faith stronger, that make our character more like Jesus. And those are that, that's, the, that's the harder path. And so if we really want to live this life with Jesus, for Jesus, and, 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 and become more like him, we're going to have to embrace the challenges. We're going to have to embrace the hard life. Now, I think oftentimes our sin makes life more complicated than it has to be. And so I'm not talking about that. Because sometimes we we have hard lives because we've made poor decisions. I'm talking about embracing the, the the challenge, embracing the opponents that that we face, and and so you know a team like the Lakers, they don't care who they're going to play. They, they bring it on. We can beat anybody. Well, all right, we got to take the the Warriors on in the playing game. Fine, we'll take them on, and then whoever's next, we'll beat them too, because they have the they have the confidence and and they're willing to. Take on kind of the challenging journey to get to a championship because they 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 know what it takes. They won it last year, um. And so to to take this a step further, and 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 why I begin to realize because sometimes I want the easy life. Like I just want life to be easy. I'm tired of things being so tough. But but as I look at the Sermon on the Mount, and I think about you know what what Jesus teaches and preaches, and 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 what we learn in the Bible, it, think about this. God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. Well, guess what? The humble life is sometimes the harder life. It's hard to be humble. That's harder. It's easy to brag about yourself. It's easy to be selfish. It's easy to be prideful. It's hard to not be that way, right? And so uh, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. It's hard to to show other people mercy. It's hard to show other people grace. Uh, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, it's hard to be pure. That's the harder life. But that's the that's the, the, the one that says, God blesses those who whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. So that's what we really want. Um, and God blesses those who work for peace. Again, it's hard. It's hard to 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 work for peace, but they will be called the children of God. And so that's the, the, the Beatitudes of Sermon on the Mount. And and then also when you look at other verses, these are common verses. In, in the life of faith where it says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Whoa, wait, wait. count it all joy. What do, you, what do you mean? So that's the tough life, right? That, those are trials. That's part of the hard life. And then in, uh, in Romans, it says, uh, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And then in James, it says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So as we read, as we become more like Jesus, we recognize, we, we learn and understand who he is and, and what the word of God says. It's not all about the easy life. This life is hard, but when we do it with Jesus, there is an ease to this life because we're relying on his strength and power. Uh, but, but to think that we just want the easy schedule, the, the easy path to the championship—that's not always the answer, and and that's not always that's that's not always what results in true winning either. Even if the team that has the the easiest schedule, that doesn't mean they're going to win the Super Bowl. So just because we have an easy life, that doesn't mean that, that that that's the best life or that that's the the life that God wants us to have. He wants us to experience challenges so that we turn to Him, so that our faith is strengthened, and we see Him uh, for all of His goodness and all of His glory in the midst of the challenges, in the midst of stepping out in faith. Uh, So you can unpack that today. Luke, jump
2: in. What would you like to add? Uh, So my pastor was talking about, preaching about, uh, on Sunday, about uh, Saul's conversion, and he was making the point that as Christians, our, our calling and our conversion, our conversion and our calling are intertwined. They're not separate. He's saying it oftentimes, especially in <clears throat> America, it's easy to. All right, I'm a Christian in name. And I'm good. I've got it. I've got heaven locked up. I'm great. But he's saying, when you're reading scripture, there is you don't your calling and your conversion are the same thing when you become a Christian, when you claim the name of Christ, when you have been saved, your identity has changed <clears throat> in everything. So Christ now governs... Govern, you, you being a Christian now influences completely your marriage, your money, the way you interact with friends, what you watch, what you listen to, how you communicate, how you operate at your job, there is not there is nothing that is outside of the influence of your identity as a Christian when you when you claim the name of Christ and that is so important to realize because it's easy to just claim Christ and then okay well yeah I'm a Christian but he doesn't have to influence what I do over here no You being saved from death to life, you being given the Holy Spirit, changes how you operate and how you think and how you do in every big thing and every little thing. And of course, that's enabled by God's grace and the Holy Spirit. But Christianity is not in the business of cheap grace, of just claiming the name of Christ and doing your own thing. So it's important to realize that Christianity changes everything you do, how you think about everything, and following Christ leads to suffering. Follow, you, people don't claim Christ to have an easy life. People claim Christ and because we're dead, because we need salvation, not because we want to have smooth sailing in this life. It reminds me of, do you want the easier life this side of heaven or when you die? Amen. That's because, right. uh, like, when you follow Christ, you are following who the world hates. And Jesus said that, the world hates me. And do we want to buy ourselves 70 years of whatever the world says is easy here? Or do we want an eternity of, of fulfillment and blessing and being with God? Amen. Now, of course, that's not based on works. But th- it's important to realize, what are what do we want that's easy? Like let's follow Christ here, and then let's enjoy eternity. Because but following Christ here leads to people hating you; it leads to culture hating you; it leads to the world disagreeing with you. But it's worth it, because we have been saved. I think that's just—it's so encouraging for me to remind myself of that. Of okay, man, if I if I pursue conviction, if I say yes to conviction here, if I pursue Christ here. Someone's going to hate me. Someone's going to judge me. Someone's going to disagree with me. Culture's going to hate me. The world's going to hate me. Or something uh, difficult might happen. I may have to do something I'm uncomfortable with. I may have to go out of my comfort zone to talk to this person, to do this. Okay, well, Christ gave up his life for me, willingly. Mm-hmm. So, and I and I have been saved from death to life. Man, let's go all out. Holy Spirit's enabling me. I've got God's grace. It It's just, it's important to... Re- to remember these things that conversion and calling are the same. We become Christians now. We live that out in everything. There, it's no if. It's now we live it out. Mm. So uh, it's 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 awesome that you're saying this because I was really encouraged and convicted yesterday. My pastor oh. saying this, so very helpful I, to remind.
0: I, I love it, and and yeah, and I think my, my big encouragement to my myself and and to those listening is that it's what are we desiring and and are we so focused on desiring the easy life? And, and so we, so what happens is when life gets hard and tough, we get frustrated. We, uh, start pouting, you know, whatever those, those, uh, whatever we turn to, I guess, in, in those, in those moments, or do we recognize, okay, this life is hard and, and we have to embrace it. And, and we do this life with Jesus, knowing like you were talking about Luke, that eternity is, is is worth it and and so some of the challenges that we face here it's part of the deal and and let's not try to try to get out of all of that either let's not try to avoid certain things just because it's the harder way to go it's harder to reconcile with people it's harder to ask for forgiveness it's Mm -hmm. harder to to show people that that are are very difficult to love to actually show them love but guess what that's that's the life of jesus that's what Jesus did while he was here on earth. And so if we're following his his path as as his followers and apprentices and disciples, then then that's what we we choose. We choose the harder, the harder way. The harder people to love, the harder people to forgive. So uh so it's a good challenge for us. And and so we'll uh we'll see how the, the teams do uh in, in the play in game. They got a little harder, harder road to the championship, uh, but they they can embrace it
2: and instead of power about it. Uh, who do your Hornets it. have? Who do your Hornets got have? The Pacers.
0: got the Pacers.
2: The Pacers were tough.
0: So I love the bonus. Uh, great guy on my fantasy team. But but the Hornets, unfortunately, are kind of limping into this playoff, play-in game, uh, limping into the playoffs. But I tell you what, the mellow ball is the real deal. He's the real deal. And he, he's turning into a star. I was listening to some, some guys debate who's a rookie of the year. Ball's been the best rookie. Anthony Edwards has come on late in the year, but Ball is the real deal. He's he's really brought kind of some some fresh life to the Hornets. Great future potential, excitement uh, to really build around him. Uh, and then you know, unfortunately, the Hornets have been without Gordon Hayward, so he's been banged up, and and this this history of injuries continues to be his story, uh, which is which is disappointing. But uh, yeah. but I think the Hornets can beat the Pacers. Uh, they should be all right. And then with with the Lakers and the Warriors. I think the Lakers will win, uh, but then I think the Warriors can beat whoever wins that San Antonio-Memphis game. So we'll yeah. still end up with the Warriors and the Lakers. It's just they're they're going a little bit tougher of a route. Um, speaking of the Warriors, I do want to bring this up. The fact that Steph Curry won the scoring title this year is awesome, good for him. I think we forgot about how great Curry is. Yep. And and the idea that that people would kind of hold this record against him, that they were the eighth seed... Oh, well, if he's so good or if he's the MVP, they should be a lot better. I I I I so don't think bogus.
2: so. so I, bogus. I don't
0: I don't buy that because when when you have Klay Thompson who, you know, that's a key part of this team, and a lot of money is invested in in Klay Thompson as well. So when you remove that from the team, to me, if like if you spent that money on other players and they were playing with Steph Curry, that's one thing. And you could criticize, oh, come on, man, you got you they got you got a loaded roster and all that kind of thing. Klay Thompson was out yet they're still making the playoffs and, and curry played as, as well as anybody this year. Um so I I'm I'm thrilled with kind of this bounce back year for him coming off an injury and and the playoffs are better if if he and the warriors are in there. So so I definitely would like to see them win. I agree
2: 100%. Yeah to your point <clears throat> people need to realize not everyone's lebron. Not everyone's lebron and can take any roster to the playoffs. True. Uh, and succeed. So let's not hold Steph to how great Steph is unfair to hold people to LeBron's level of greatness on taking very mediocre rosters far. So, and two, Hey, making the playoffs is not easy. Let's not pretend like it's easy. And also let's just acknowledge greatness. Like Steph was awesome. This season, so fun, so great for the game. He was awesome. In the whole season, the narrative was, man, Steve Kerr, they're running, the offense they're running is meant for a healthy Golden State squad that knows how to play that type of intelligent basketball. And the current roster doesn't know how to do that. But yet, Steph goes out and dominates, night in, night out. And that is incredible. The fact that Steph beat Bradley Beal for the scoring title, after it felt like Brad Beal had that locked for a long time, I don't know. I just want to acknowledge the greatness of Steph this season. It was it was yeah. so awesome, so awesome.
0: I will say this though, I don't think he's the MVP. So I know some people want to to, to go that route. You know, and, and I'm gonna say a player that I am not a fan of. I've I've never been a fan of his. It's Chris Paul. To me, Chris Paul's the MVP. I cannot believe the season that the Phoenix Suns have had. Now, Monty Williams is a great coach, and and Uh what a story for for those that most likely are familiar. You know, he lost his his – actually, no, he didn't lose his wife because I remember in his funeral he said, we know exactly where my wife is. She's in heaven. Mm -hmm. But Monty Williams, his wife died years ago, and so he stepped kind of away from the NBA to then go back into the NBA, coach the Suns. This is uh, an incredible story, but to me, what Chris Paul, to go from Oklahoma City where they were actually competitive when he was there last year – to get them to this point. Now I think he's a great regular season player when it comes, when it comes to the playoffs, I thought those Clippers teams underachieved. And, and so Chris Paul has to take some of the blame for that. But, but to me that he's the most valuable, he was so valuable to the, the, the Suns this year to take a young roster. And they were an eighth seed, I think last year, you know, they were kind of in that bubble team, whatever they did last year with the, how they, how they made it. But, um, to to then take them to the top of the the Western Conference is is just remarkable. So it's, that's it's my been, MVP. One up for you.
2: Yeah, it, it's been it's been very fun. I just love seeing really bad teams get out of the dumps, regardless of my fandom. Like man, poor Phoenix. Just for year like year after year, missing on high or at least people thinking they continue to miss on lottery picks. They continue to miss. They're bad. They were so fun to watch in the Steve Nash era. The Amari Stoudemire era; those are really fun teams. Oh yeah, and yep. and now, man, it's so good to see them start to win games. I mean, because they've—you want to see Devin Booker succeed, you want to see their young players succeed, and regardless if you hate or love Chris Paul, gotta acknowledge how awesome he's been. And it's cool to see him be reconnected with Monty Williams because that was it. Were they in New Orleans together? Yeah, yeah. Okay, right. So it's—I heard him talk the other day about it's been cool that they they didn't have a great relationship in new orleans but now they both he said they both matured and now they're firing on all cylinders together in phoenix which is really cool so uh i well one i always have to plug my boy luca because he has is one of the highest us- usage players in the nba and puts the mavs on his back night in and night out usage
0: whatever that means what are what are we doing
2: He's always Uh, got the ball. He sets people up wide open shots. The roster is not incredible. And Porzingis has just been a roller coaster. So I got to plug my boy Luca. He doesn't get enough. He's not getting enough credit right now. But I don't know. The Joker has been awesome. Embiid's been awesome. I've always struggled with what does MVP even mean? Is it a stats race? Is it the most valuable player? Is it the best season? Because for a long time, LeBron's the MVP every year. He's the best player yeah, every 15 year. 15 straight years. So he only has four or five MVPs, which is just laughable because he's always been the best player. So it's I've always struggled with
0: – He's got to get that with, usage up. He's got to get, yeah, that,
2: get that usage up. I've, I've always just struggled <laughs> to know what does the, the MVP mean. I don't think MB should get it because he's missed so many games. He went at 20 games. I, yeah, that's that's too many games to win the MVP or. Yeah, yeah. so I, I'll, it. I'll give say, it to Jokic over him.
0: I would say Doc Rivers is probably the the coach of the year. Uh, he's he makes a great case to win the East oh. and, and to get them over the hump. He He's made a difference there.
2: There was turmoil in that locker room. There was yeah. a lot, a lot of bad attitudes, a lot of turmoil in that locker room. So Doc Rivers really salvaged that.
0: But really, the Knicks. Making it to the fourth seed to, to get home court advantage.
2: That's the, that's the storyline yeah, of the year. The Knicks being good, Julius Randle. There is not a person in the world that can convince me the Knicks being good is bad for basketball. No, you cannot, you have to be excited. And the fact that they didn't squeak in, they no. comfortably made it.
0: And their roster is not loaded either. I mean, I like RJ Barrett, former Dukie, and and Randall has has emerged as a legitimate. I mean, he's an MVP candidate. There's no yes, question. Absolutely, he was first team, second team, All NBA the season that he had. So, uh, but but I think what what Tom Thibodeau did in in New York is remarkable as well. Yeah. So, it's a very very impressive season for them to to start off as well as they did, and then they kept it going throughout the entire year. Yep. So, uh, so I'll be curious to see how, how well they play in the playoffs because every year there are great regular season teams and then there are great playoff teams. And will the, the Heat, will they turn, will they flip a switch and be a great playoff team? Will the Bucs finally yes. move from being regular season to that, playoffs?
2: That is the question. Because, will the Jazz,
0: will the Nuggets, yeah. like those are great regular season teams. How do they do in the playoffs? Will the Blazers flip a switch and can Lillard, carry them deep into the playoffs? And then, of course, the Lakers, and, and can they really be the team that we expect them to be uh, if they are healthy? So
2: It is so refreshing that we're out of the 2012-2013, that era, where this year it is complete. Throw your hands up. I don't know who's going to win. I yeah. love that. It's wide uh, open. I, I can acknowledge the Heat's greatness, and, and the Spurs got them one year. But I don't I don't love when it's well yeah there's two there's three teams tops that can win it hey there is multiple teams each conference that can win this thing and that is so exciting but yeah I agree with you the biggest question of the playoffs is can Giannis succeed in the playoffs yeah because there is a They've big difference between regular season basketball and postseason basketball because in the postseason you just take because. A team, the opposing team is going to take away your number one player, unless it's LeBron, of course. But they're going to say, "All right, your number one strength, we're taking that away." Giannis, you're not driving to the basket. You got to beat us somewhere else. So is we're going to really see Drew Holiday's value this postseason, which will be exciting. Yes.
0: yes, absolutely. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. Very excited. Uh, and then the the other two things I want to I want to touch on today. Uh, the NFL schedule was released last week. And, and let me ask you this, Luke. Are you one of the guys that you can't wait till 8 p.m. when the NFL Network releases the, the schedule? And and how quickly did you run through the Cowboys schedule to figure out how many wins they're going to have?
2: So I don't wait up for that. I, okay. uh, I tune in to uh, my favorite local radio station the next day. And they uh, they did something fun. They went through every game. And one of the guys on the radio, he went through every game, gave the final score prediction and the narrative. And the narrative of the game. Semi-serious. Semi-serious, semi-fun. But it was really exciting. He's like, all right, week three. Cowboys are down seven. Um the Cowboys pick six to the house, win the game by a touchdown. I'm like, yes, come on, week three. That hasn't even happened. That's probably not gonna happen. But I'm getting fired up listening to the radio. He said Cowboys finish eleven and five. So there
0: you go. It, very right. good
2: schedule. I like, but I don't wait up. I'm assuming that you wait up for it, and then within ten minutes, you already have Super Bowl predictions, final scores, all
0: that. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not that extreme, but but uh, yeah, I was excited to look through the, the Panthers roster or uh, schedule and, and looked at nine to ten games and some some intriguing matchups, uh, for sure. And then. One other thing though that's always important to me what what will the national games be especially mm. Monday night football which, which I've found in years past the Monday night games have been a little weak a little bit They've been some you know, snoozers yeah it's like uh, part of me I watch so much football on Sunday that by Monday I'm a little like all right I got to catch my breath but and then Thursday games come so quick Thursdays are always so fun because it's like oh football's back for the weekend so you jump in on yeah. Thursday so but but this year I have to say The Monday night football matchups as of today in May look very intriguing other than week two with the Detroit lions against the Packers. So if Aaron Rodgers gets traded (laughs) and the lions are not going to be very good this year, that could be a tough one. Uh, But week one, Ravens Raiders. uh, I Mm -hmm. think both of these teams are intriguing this year. You know, what Lamar Jackson will we see MVP from a year ago or the one that kind of took a little bit, a step back. Uh, will the Raiders actually take a step forward? So that kicks off the, uh, the Monday night football season. But then, you know, throughout the, uh, the whole year, we get to see, you know, your Cowboys against the Eagles. You get to see the Chargers. You yeah. get to see the Colts, the Bills, the Titans, the Saints, the Seahawks, Chiefs, Steelers, 49ers, Rams, Bucks, Giants. I mean, so to me, a lot of good quality teams. You know, th- there aren't any matchups with the Bengals or, uh, <laughs> I mean, the Bengals would be more fun this year. We'll get some Thursday night games, um, but I just think some of the, the the more consistent, reliable, great teams will be on Monday Night Football. Which, when you're talking about Week 11, Week 12, you want to be able to know that all right, we're going to get a good matchup. So, like the Patriots Bills in Week 13, to me, you know it's going to be interesting. That's going to be yeah. an because it's a division rival that that that's that's awesome. So, uh, so overall, uh, I can't wait for the NFL season. This creates you know the the anticipation the excitement um i'm I, I was starting to do some mock drafts in fantasy over the weekend Whoa. <laughs> so so you mock draft
2: for you mock draft for fantasy but not I for was, real life you were you were you were calling me oh he's one of those mock drafters i'm tossing that right back at you
0: yeah not, well the fantasy yeah i i've got some control in this right i i got a mock i got to practice i got to know what's <laughs> going to what, what's going to happen with my with my uh, fantasy team this year fantasy team <laughs> So yeah, it was it was good. Um so any other any other scheduling uh concerns or, or excitement that, that jumps out to you?
2: Well, uh Cowboys open up with the Buccaneers, which is exciting. Um great way to start the season. D- uh don't think Cowboys will win, but I'm just excited to see the Cowboys are have about a fifty percent turnover from the defensive players from last season. We'll have about Half of the, the defense is new, new players. So really excited to see. There are just a lot of question marks with this year's team, which makes it exciting. It's different from last year, which is, thank goodness, and uh, exciting so for hope. that. I'm always just – I always just can't wait. Just the sound. Like when you've gone without a sport for so long, there's just certain sounds that are like, oh. It's like it's the equivalent of seeing the leaves change in, this, in, in the fall. And the leaves are falling, and the and the colors are changing. You hear that that sound, and you're like, oh, it's go time. To me, it's Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. Man, uh, when I hear uh, their voices, man, when they're revving they're the engines, I am getting I'm getting fired up. Oh, oh I just geez. when I hear when I hear their broadcast for the first time, it is music to my ears. So I cannot wait for that.
0: Yeah. We're, we're now with some rookie camps going on and training camp around the corner. Here we go. So we'll have plenty to, to talk to talk about over the next few weeks uh, with the NFL. Uh, but, but over the weekend, the, the one kind of big event was the, the basketball hall of fame induction ceremonies. And, and so for me, I started watching the NBA back in 1996. And so that was the, the famous NBA draft with Kobe Bryant and, Allen Iverson and Stefan Marbury and Ray Allen and Steve Nash and on and on and on. That's when I started collecting basketball cards. That's when I started getting into the NBA in a big way. And so now to watch Kobe Bryant get into the hall of fame. And then of course kind of right, right after that was Tim Duncan uh, who, who came out, I guess, I guess that was the following year. Kevin Garnett had come out the year before. So he was, he was young in the NBA at that time. And so to now see all those guys make it in, and, and to look back at their incredible careers and, and it's so fun because I was always a Tim Duncan guy compared to Garnett uh, so so Garnett was talking about their rivalry uh, going against each other and they love those matchups and, and and for me though what, what got me thinking with, with Tim Duncan he's just such a unique superstar and he really is one of the best players ever like he's arguably the ever. best power forward just the best big man yeah. uh ever i mean he he is in that mix for what he did defensively offensively the championships won uh the difference that he made in san antonio for so many years uh is is just incredible and and so but it, but it makes me think how many superstars are are like him who else comes to mind that that are humble quiet not the the outspoken, look at me, show me type superstars, which most guys are. Because even you know, Kevin Garnett was a big personality. Kobe was uh, not necessarily a big personality, but definitely brought the attention, right? And he, he he put on a show. He was a he was a an NBA guy that that he wanted to entertain fans. Whereas the the big fundamental, Tim Duncan, he just he just wanted to to kind of quietly get the job done. Fill a role, do whatever was ever necessary. People call him the best teammate ever. Uh, and and so it's just it's just fascinating to even, you know, now like kind of what's his life like. I just wonder. And when he first came into the NBA, he had this great commercial with with gnomes. And with David Robinson, this hilarious commercial. (laughs) Then he kind of stopped doing commercials. He wasn't that kind of guy anymore. Um, And and I was listening to Dan Patrick this morning saying that he would have been like a much bigger deal if he went to New York and L.A. And I I absolutely disagree. I I don't think it would have changed. I don't think Duncan, like I think Duncan landed in the perfect spot in San Antonio and him and Popovich. They just fit. Same thing with uh, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Like, I don't think Tom Brady would have had the career if he went somewhere else. I really don't. I think it had to go. He had to go to New England. It had to be with Bill Belichick and it just clicked. Tim Duncan, San Antonio. Now, he could have been effective. He could have been a good player if he went to the Knicks or an LA team. And, and sure, would he have been a little bit more? I don't know. I don't even, I can't even say well known. He's well known. I don't know how much more well known he could have been. But I I just I don't think that he would have gotten more credit. I think it's more about his personality than the city that he played in I, that that's that's where I come out on it.
2: It's so fascinating because you think of the all-time greats and you think of, of you th- you think first thing to highlights okay, who are the players that have the greatest highlights? Tim Duncan is just a, a boring player in, in regard like relative to Shaq or uh, name any other great. Tim Duncan, yeah, he'll get the ball on the mid-post, he'll drop step, he'll face up, bank shot. or he'll That's get right. To, or he'll get to his jump Who hook. Who hits the bank better than yeah. him. Or he'll get to his jump hook, or he'll or he'll block a shot. And he was just quiet and unique, kind of boring, but dominant. His stats, it, it's just wild to think that you can be that quiet. And it, it's like, I hate, I, I hate even saying boring, because... If you if you're like a, a legit basketball fan, you watch him play and you think, this is this is incredible basketball. What he's doing is incredible. But for the common fan, which we all have that in us, we want to see not the Don't he's, he's not flashy. He is yeah. not flashy at all. But he dominated. So your question, I'm trying to think of. Okay, who were other players that are like that? So I found an article that said. I'll, I'll throw this to you because Charlotte guy over here from the Carolinas. This article says Antoine Jameson. What do you yeah, think he not, falls in that category? Obviously, yeah, the, gra- not the not greatness the greatness is a different level, but it's hard. It's it's so yeah. hard to think of players that are like that because you reach that level, and a lot of people reach that level, and they're also able to have insane highlight plays, flashy plays like crossovers, dunks. Big time step back threes, but him, Tim Duncan, I'm just going to dominate you in the post. I'm going to do everything I need to win, and it's just demoralizing playing the Spurs. I uh, saw a video of Gilbert Arenas talking about playing the Spurs in his prime, and he was saying, there's some games where I can go out and I know I'm going to dominate, but every time you play San Antonio, you know you're going to be exhausted, because their team defensive scheme, Santana just doesn't make mistakes. Gilbert Arena said, they don't make mistakes. I know that I'm in for an exhausting basketball game. And that's true. <laughs> Tim Duncan, he just does every night. He does what needs to be done. Doesn't make mistakes. He's going to go out and get 25 and 12 every night. Then you got Tony Parker, Ginobili, Pop. Oh, it's, it's just incredible. So So cool to relive Tim Duncan's greatness. Because you forget about it. he's a player that you we need to keep talking about or people will he's a forgettable great if that's even possible. I know he's, he's forgettable.
0: It, yeah, I, I think that Andrew luck was on that path, uh, kind of a, a quote unquote boring superstar, but he just didn't get to that level because he retired early. Um, and then you know Joe Flacco's a Super Bowl winner. He's somewhat of a of a boring character. Uh, but again, not at the level of Tim Duncan. I think John Stockton was somewhat of a of a boring player, uh, personality wise, but but great, as great as a, as any point guard ever. Uh so it's interesting. I'm it, it, I'm curious any other uh listeners who comes to mind uh that would fit that category. Like Eli Manning,
2: possibly uh um, he had just the He was just so sporadic. He was so high and so low where regardless of if he was playing bad or good, he was like, man, Eli Manning's all over the place. And then he is famous for his the Eli Manning dumb face and
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah man like I think Ryan Tannehill is kind of that that way. He's, he's playing great in Tennessee, but yeah, not the big personality. So there, there are some guys out there, but but it's so fascinating that the players that we we are as fans that we're drawn to, it's the Steph Curry who's you know taking his shirt off and going nuts and demonstrative, and he's become more and more that way throughout his career. Um, it's the fist bumps. It's you know the Tiger Woods, those kind of guys. Bubba Watson, like yeah. that's those are the the players that that draw the attention. And and so right or wrong, that's the reality. But Tim Duncan, he kind of he blew everybody out of the water with the way that he was able to win and produce year in year out, offensively, defensively. He's a legend. Uh, but in some ways, is underappreciated uh, as well. So, there you go. That's uh, those are some of the big topics that we have uh, this week. But each week on Unpacking It, we wrap up the show with some other fun and goofy topics. We call it Tap Drill. We bring on Henry. Henry, welcome.
1: How are you, man? What's going on, boys? How you guys doing today? Doing awesome. Glad I, uh... to have you. <laughs> Right.
2: You I know, I know. Mitch, Mitch commented. He said, uh, rocking the backwards hat, bold play. And we've
1: got two out of the three rocking the backwards hat today. So feeling what real bold happening? on the show. It's really going boldly into the podcast today.
0: <laughs> what, what, what do you think you are? Matthew Stafford.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I, so I will like say,
2: so I will say I take pride in how I can, how to wear a backwards hat. So I think, so we're going to get into some hat philosophy here. So, now last week you talked
0: about bringing hats back. So now you're taking this a step further. So you have 100%. the four.
2: So Henry and me are doing it the right way. So here's the thing one, the fitted cap, I am completely out on. In middle school, I was a fitted cap guy. You get the size, the, you got to have the strap, the snapback, or the velcro now as, as you age. I, that's my opinion. But mm. the backwards hat look where you put it on, And it's right over the eyebrows here, or it's on so tight, you gotta just (laughs) you gotta toss it on loosely, have a little swag with it. You can't you can't glue it onto your head or pull it down so tight or have it where it's right above your eyebrows, like some guys do. So you gotta be delicate, you gotta be strategic with how you rock it. So I'm proud of of Henry and me today wearing the backwards hat look with some swag because it's high risk, high reward.
0: Well, to me. The backward, the backward hat should be a fitted hat. So both of you, neither of you have a fitted hat, but you, you still are wearing it backwards. So I'm, I'm from the Ken Griffey, Jr. Fred Durst era of Fair. the backward hat. And and so that is the fitted hat. Uh, but I haven't since Ken Griffey and Fred Durst don't matter anymore. I don't, I don't rock the, the hat backward. That's, anymore. that's your torch to bear. Now they, they, they,
2: they, you, you have, gotta, the you, gotta baton, you have the, the baton. Race. You got to finish the race.
0: I got to keep, keep it alive. Keep it alive. Man, (laughs) I wore I wore a hat all weekend. So there you go. I was on vacation. I was vacation, Bryce. I had my Hawaiian shirt. Oh, that's
2: right. All right, right. there you go. You see, and the sunglasses. You don't want to be noticed on vacation. That's what you're saying. Come on, you don't want to be seen.
1: It's your it's your Uh -uh. days away. And besides, uh, backwards hat doesn't go with the Hawaiian shirt. Not on the beach, anyway.
0: No, no, it doesn't. You just got to go shirt shirt off then.
2: Got to go shirt off then. Backwards hat.
0: There you go. Yeah. I, I was shirt on the beach guy for a little while, but I hate I hate to admit that. But but sometimes I I don't want to get that initial burn. So I keep a shirt percent for a little while. Hundred
2: percent shirt on shirt on the beach is good as long as you're not button down guy on the beach. Mister business trip guy while going on vacation, you got to let loose. <laughs> no, I don't want to you... see any long sleeve button downs. I don't want to see any slacks.
1: No no collars on the beach.
0: No way. I'm with you. I totally agree. So we can, we can agree on that. You guys look fine with your hats. All right. You're, you're all set. So Henry, let us hear, let us hear the questions for tap drill.
1: All right, boys, tap drill on deck. First tap. Uh, we got some people actually on our, on their way out of the business. A couple of them we're going to get into. First off, Kenny Maine after being with ESPN for close to 30 years, I believe if I'm not mistaken, he was with he was with the ESPN then he left and then he came back and so now he's calling it quits at ESPN after almost 30 years you could see his uh you could see his article on yahoo.com so my question to you boys is who is your favorite ESPN personality so i grew up in the Kenny Mayne Dan Patrick Keith Olberman
0: Rich Eisen Stuart Scott era so those are the the goats and and my favorite is Dan Patrick. So I still listen to his radio show as many mornings as I can, uh, even though I disagree with him on uh, Tim Duncan today. Uh, DP is still still my favorite anchor, but I love Kenny Mayne. I'm, I'm sad to see him go. I was watching him on SportsCenter this morning, and his style is is so unique. And I will say that Neil Everett has been able to carry that torch a little bit, kind of being the dry, sarcastic sports anchor uh, or, or SportsCenter anchor. And, and so, but, but Kenny is, he's, he's the best. I'm fascinated to see where he'll end up next. Uh, cause, Cause I don't know. I still think his, he's still a, an anchor. Like I don't, I don't see him hosting a show. I, I don't know what else he'll do. He's done some acting and he does commercials and all that, which he's fantastic at. So I listened to him on my, on my way to the beach. I listened to an interview he did with Dan Levittard. It was, it was great. So I'm, I'm all in.
2: Um, so I grew, I grew up after the Dan Patrick era on sports center. So I missed it completely. So we talked about it a few weeks ago. So I went back recently and watched clips Ooh. of the Dan Patrick Sports Center, which was awesome. But, good for you. So two, two, my answer is twofold. One, I lo- I've always loved the Neil Everett-Stan Verrett duo. I think they're so good together. But the, f- the favorite is got to be Stuart Scott. Gosh. And it, with his one-liners, cool as the other side of the pillow, the amount of times I have plagiarized oh, yeah. that line – Oh, he is just <laughs> Stuart Scott was one of the greats. And he was he just brought so much fun. He didn't take himself too seriously. He brought fun and life into the job. He wasn't Mr. Cocky guy, Mr. Prideful guy, Mr. I'm I'm big shot sports center guy. It's hey, I'm Stuart Scott. I'm one of you guys. So huh. I, I, I love I love Stuart Scott.
0: All right. There you go. Henry, what about you?
1: I'm with Luke. My favorite ESPN personality's got to be—it's got to be Stu Scott. God rest his soul. And always when he includes the the quote-unquote family members, the Ray Ray Pookie and them, I love those.
2: <laughs> he was i have never like—I'm like okay, I'm gonna tune in for the Sports Center top ten, get my sports on. But I would find myself feel like leaving a comedy show. It was just such a great blend of comedy and sports. Oh, he was just the best.
0: He's, he's up there for sure. He he was one of my favorites growing up too. Um, I liked Rich Eisen. He didn't stay there very long, but I liked Rich Eisen as well.
1: Yeah. All right, Henry, what's next? Next tap. Another, uh, another TV great that's retiring is Marv Albert. He currently works the NBA on TNT. He's going to be retiring after the Eastern conference finals because TNT has the Eastern conference, uh, the Eastern conference playoffs. So my question to you boys is: As far as NBA goes, who do you like to hear on the broadcast the most? Me personally, it's my guy from MSG. It's Hall of Famer, newly crowned Hall of Famer, Mike Breen. Marv, mm. Just Just and ours. it
0: counts. <laughs> I like I like Marv. I'm a Marv guy. Uh, Kevin Harlan is is right up there. Uh, what are you laughing at, Luke? Yeah.
2: <laughs> your impersonations are so spot on. The Marv Albert, your Jim Rome.
0: <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> Let's, go. Let's go. I've been listening to Marv a long
2: time. Oh I saw Marv
0: goodness. Albert when I went to the NBA All-Star game uh, when it was in Charlotte. I saw Marv behind the, the scenes. And, and see. I didn't talk to him, but lo- looking at him, watching him interact, he seemed like a nice guy. But he's, he's had a great run. Uh, I think he is... These I, I love when announcers are able to stay as long as they can, but toward the end they do become forgetful. Like they just forget players' names, and and so you you want them to finish as strong as possible, and so you want to get out just before you know you kind of really fade. Uh, but he still sounds great, and yes, so uh, so yeah, so I'm all in.
2: Um, I'm just I'm gonna make a I'm gonna go local reference here, Chuck Cooperstein. The radio, the radio voice of the Dallas Mavericks. He oh, is unbelievable. So if there's any Mavs fans listening out there, they all know that Chuck Cooperstein is one of the best. So after Luka's step-back game winner against the Clippers last year, I went to Twitter and I watched Chuck Cooperstein's call. He posted it on Twitter over and over and over again just to hear his call. Oh, it is in his play-by-play. I feel like I'm watching the game when I listen to him. So, had to plug a local reference there, Chuck Cooperstein. But, uh, you no, know, no our love, no love, no love for guy. your huh? Eric oh, the Collins. Hornets guy, yes, the Hornets guy. He is he's famous on social media now because yeah. and, and there's clips of like the, they they pulled the clip of him saying bridges, and they'll just people will post clips of like people walking on a bridge. <laughs> and then we'll play that clip over it. And he's becoming famous because he's so enthusiastic. He he is absolutely incredible. His energy is unbelievable.
0: No, he's he's very good. But, uh, Henry, I like Mike Breen as well. He puts it in. Bang! Yes! Bang!
1: Oh, yeah, he's bang. Sorry, I'm, <laughs> I'm going back to Marv. You went to Marv Albert. <laughs> I <I'm going> back. <laughs> bang! Bang! Some of the uh, greatest, some of the greatest New York Knicks calls have been when Mike Green has been at MSG. But Bryce, to your to your point, Kevin Harlan is really up there too. I don't know if you guys can YouTube it, but YouTube the and it's not basketball, but YouTube the the call that he made and uh, Luke would know about this between the game where he had the um, he got the game with the the Giants and the Cowboys yeah. at MetLife exactly. Stadium and the yeah. cat ran through. MetLife so Stadium. Funny. It was hilarious. I will say,
2: I Gus Johnson. There's a clip of Jamal Crawford hitting this absurd shot a long time ago, and Gus Johnson's call is
1: breathtaking. It is. Unbelievable. Oh, we miss Gus. We do miss uh, Gus. We miss Gus. Oh my God, we got we got to we got to come back to him in a future one. Next topic, we're gonna go to your to your guys's favorite sport, golf, and a gentleman by the name. Of Michael can now why is Michael can important because he did what most what only a dozen guys have done on any golf course in any PGA tournament he shot a 59 on Whoa. the golf course he shot a 59 and the, the the 59 shot came on a 30 foot birdie putt the guy went wow. so crazy he jumped in the lake so my question to you boys are, what is your best golfing moment?
0: <laughs> Ooh, um, probably beating my buddy who's a pro golfer in putt-putt. That's right. I beat him in putt-putt at Celebration Station. I took him down. I took him <laughs> down. But, but speaking of jumping in after winning, so when I was a swim coach, we would, we would, even growing up as a swimmer, like summer swim team.
2: We got to hear about swim coach Bryce. Cause we have. Yes. yes.
0: <laughs> yes. So, so anytime we want to swim meet, we're all, so we, we, we change and put all of our clothes on, even though we're all in swimsuits, we're wet all night, but we put our clothes on and then jump back into the pool. So after the win and you always try to get the head coach in the pool because he hasn't been in the pool all night. And so. Mm-hmm. So, so I, growing up, we pushed the coaches in. It was always very dangerous and very fun. And then I finally became the head coach, and then I would get pushed in, and it was always a lot of fun. So good for this golfer jumping in the pond after the win. It's one of my favorite celebrations. takes takes me back to summer swim team.
2: Oh, I don't know if I have any clear great moments. I mean, I'm on this shelf on this side of my very first birdie. I have that ball there. Still looking oh, there for the you. still looking for I'm the just, first hole in one. But I've t- I've I'm told every birdie. Every person I ever play golf with, I tell them if I hit a hole in one, I'm t- it, shirts coming off instantaneously and I'm running around swinging <laughs> it above my head without question, shirts coming
1: off. So still looking for that moment.
0: I love it. That's awesome. All right, Henry, what's next?
1: Right along, right along those lines of golf, there's a new craze coming out called fling golf. If you go yeah. to flinggolf.com, it's basically what it looks like is that you get a a makeshift golf club with a ball inside of it. You make the golf swing, and it looks like you're hitting it every time down the middle of the fairway. What do you guys think of Fling Golf?
0: So I was watching Shark Tank Friday night with my mother-in-law. So Jody and and her dad, they went to pick up some Froyo. We stayed back to watch Shark Tank, and and all of a sudden this this Fling Golf product is, is pitched, and I'm in. It's like lacrosse. I never played lacrosse, but, but I, you know, I, I'm not a great golfer. I don't play enough. So this, you still go on the golf course, but you, it's a different motion. And I think it gives guys like me a chance. We don't have to be out there all the time, you know, honing in on our, our stroke Uh, to me, like a normal golf swing. Um, So to me, this is a great option, a great opportunity. I want to get out and play. I really do fling golf. You're a purist, Luke you're, a, you're okay. a decent golfer yourself. what do you make of
2: this? So I'm not a purist in the snobby prideful way. I'm a purist in regards uh. to I just love golf but I, I will I mean I will say this till I have no more breaths. <laughs> I am all for golf being more like bring down the walls bring down the walls and obstacles into getting into golf make golf accessible for the fan make it inclusive for the fan. I like things like Top Golf. It makes golf fun for people who don't love Love. golf. Things like Fling Golf. It makes it fun for people who want to play golf. Uh, Golf, uh, the golf channel, things on TV, make the broadcast fun. I'm like, get rid of absurd dress codes at some golf courses. I want to go out. If I want to go play in shorts and a shirt, I want to go play in shorts and a shirt. Now, I understand some nice country clubs are different. You wear your hat backward. Yeah. Oh, 100%. But if I go to like a municipal (laughs) course, like... Let's make golf accessible and fun and creative so people can. Right now, golf seems so inaccessible for people. Oh, well, I don't want to go play golf and swing clubs and pay all this money and it's not fun and it's long, it's five hours. And no, let's make golf fun. Let's be creative. I want golf to, to continue doing stuff like this. I'm all for it. I, I don't agree with the purists who are like, oh, we got to protect the game. Oh, golf can't change it all. We got to protect the game. Like, no, you don't. Golf is going to die if you do that. Like t- the fact that golf is so popular is because of Tiger Woods. And now we're entering the horizon of no Tiger Woods. So we've got to be creative again on how do we make golf fun and accessible to people. So we, we can't ride we can't ride Tiger Woods forever. Well,
0: true. And so that's like a whole another topic. Because but, but, the idea of fling golf, it, it's technically a completely different sport, really. So, so I, I think Luke, you're you're on to something as far as adapting the actual or change, you know, being adaptable in the sport of golf. This almost takes it even it jumps the shark a little bit, a little bit further. To I don't know how I don't think this fits into a normal round of golf. You know what I mean? So, like what you're talking about, you know what I've always wanted to try is the speed golf, where you just yeah. run to the next hole, hole. Yeah. So it's not even necessarily how well you're hitting it. It's just how fast you're hitting it and how uh-huh. fast you're getting the ball into the hole. So I've never done it, but that, that to me sounds fun too. Um, yeah. You know, anyway, I'm all I'm
2: good. all for new, fun, creative things to get people on the course somehow into the golf world.
0: Yes, there you go. I'm with you. All right,
1: Henry, we we good. You, we got if you guys got time for actually, you know what, I'm gonna call an audible on this, and uh, I'm gonna ask this question since we're going down the golf. If the three of us are on the golf course, who buys the drinks with the lowest score?
2: <laughs> with the lowest uh,
1: score, the best score. So that's so Luke. the best score.
2: Well, well, well. Let's let's think here. You're you're going this motion now. You're playing. fling. Yeah, if you played I've fling, played fling golf, golf, I'm actually curious. <laughs> and then Henry can use the golf club. We can all do thirty things. Henry can use a golf club that's like a cannon. You just set the club and it shoots out something <laughs> out of the face. and it launches the ball. Yeah. So Henry can do that. You can play, you can play fling golf. I'll do normal golf clubs. And that would be an interesting tournament.
1: I'm down. I am
2: so down for that. I'm here for that.
0: That's right. That's right. Quick plug for the unpacking a golf tournament in October. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, we're getting excited for that. All right, Henry Luke. Great job. Awesome show. Thanks everybody for listening today. Uh, be looking out for the Unpack This devotional coming out later today about the easy life versus the hard life and embracing the challenges in life because uh, God uses those to, to grow us and change us and uh, reveal himself to us. And so be encouraged even when life is is hard. For Luke and Henry, I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. We will talk to you next Monday right here on the Unpacking It Live podcast.
1: For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's unpackin'it.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T dot We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackin'it.com slash donate.